0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Regan Kelly, and I'm joined by all my awesome co hosts. We are reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, Laura Nash, how are you doing, Laura?
1: I'm very happy. We're having a little mini reunion here.
0: Yeah, it's been a little bit of time since we've been able to record all together uh, because of so many. Exciting life events. Uh, I think our listeners already know about uh, Nate Heininger's recent-ish life events. How are you doing, Nate?
2: How how are you and your family doing? Oh, great! Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to uh, be here with everybody. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time late night uh, playing this game. I got my own cheering section now, um, though she mostly just sleeps and cries. But I like to pretend that she's cheering me on. <laughs>
0: Very cute. And, uh, and Shane, you have a, a similar life event just recently. Uh, more uh, recently. Nearly identical, um, in <laughs> fact. Thanks for stealing my thunder by having the exact same, by having a baby right before me, Nate. Uh, yep. But uh, yeah, no, I've, it's exactly a week and one day ago, so wow. I'm still extremely sleep-deprived, and I've been playing this game in incredibly short bursts when I am awake and don't have my hands on an infant. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we actually managed to, to get together to record under such duress. Uh, I, yes. I just finished a move from, um, uh, from San Jose to Denver, and I'm still in sort of temporary digs right now and probably will be for another month almost or so. So uh, sound quality may suffer a little bit. Apologies uh, in advance. I'm doing my best with the, uh, with the odd setting. Um, guys,
2: we, we know it's unacceptable. Just let Reagan have this moment, um, you know, these next few episodes. Um, but, you know, take your gripes to, to us and let, leave Reagan alone, okay? <laughs> I can take
0: it, guys. I can take it. Uh, and I'm just I'm very happy that once we finally all got back together, we're talking about a game that we have been anticipating for so long and uh, that turned out to be such a delight to play. Um, So this week we're talking about Pyre, the third game, the most recent game from Supergiant. Um, our longtime listeners probably remember that we talked about Transistor, uh, their previous game, way back in 2014. I actually went back and re-listened to some of that episode today, and that it feels like such ancient history. That was episode 13 of the short game.
1: And I believe the game of the year for that year on our show. Yeah. It
0: was. It was certainly my short game of the year. It, we, I think we we ultimately landed on it as our official shorty short game of 2014,
2: the award that nobody cares about because <laughs>
0: nobody even knows I, that they receive it.
2: Hey, I, I mail them a trophy. No, I mail them a trophy every year, and uh, only one of them have been returned to sender. So it's uh, it, yeah. actually oh, Super Giant was
0: incredibly gracious and and thanked us in a tweet. Shane, Bay. so they oh really? Presumably <laughs> I, one I of their uh,
2: social media people. Oh, I need uh, to get back
0: on Twitter more. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's
1: great. Yeah, 2014. Shane needs to be back on Twitter. <laughs>
2: get it together that's embarrassing for you Shane yeah. cuz you know that they listen to every episode ever since then yeah I absolutely
1: we're going to praise them more on this episode. So,
0: Greg uh, Kasavin gave me a call just today and said, guys, when are you playing our game? It's been out for like almost a month now. What, what, where's the episode, guys? We
2: actually did have some uh, of our listeners reach out and be like, are you not doing Pyre? And so uh, here we are. I'm really glad that we're talking about this game and that this game came out. Um, bad timing for us all to have life events because this is a much anticipated and uh, spoilers pretty fantastic game um, oh, i'm excited incredible. for us really to talk is.
0: about it i think people that um you know when i see that Supergiant games has has a game coming i know you pretty much know what you're gonna get uh, in terms of quality and that level of quality is incredibly high for fans of indie games uh super giant is kind of like this uh like a, it's a known quantity you're gonna get really incredible world building that is, you know, built around these, like, incredible central story questions. You're going to have this flexible, incredible gameplay that's incredibly customizable. You're going to have an incredible, beautifully orchestrated soundtrack by Darren Korb. Yes. <laughs> In every case. <laughs> what?
1: And there will be some kind of westerny things of... <laughs> We've talked about Transistor, but Bastion is um, also there. And I, I remember just the, the Western twang in your voice from playing more than five minutes. Very glad that a little bit of that flavor has come through even now.
0: We've still never done an episode on Bastion, and that's got to be something that we go back to when we, you know, have some ha- have some dead time where awesome brand new short games aren't coming out constantly. I it-
2: that time feels to be less and less now. I mean, we're. It feels like every. Um, this is a good time to be uh, into games. We've been saying that for years, um, yeah. but it feels particularly heavy right now. I mean, we've got um, obviously this game, the um, you know Tacoma, which we're going to do at some point, real, real probably really our next soon. Game, Absolutely. yeah.
1: So why are we so excited about Pyre other than the pedigree?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I can say that the. Th- So the first time that I checked this game out was um, about a year and a half ago at, um, uh, what's that thing called? It's an event in San Francisco. I'm uh, excited about it because it's Wizard Basketball and rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay.
1: Enough about where we found out about it. It's it's Wizard Basketball, it's an RPG with sports elements, and yeah, Wizards Basketball.
2: I think it's a sports game with RPG elements. I I really think that... This is a, uh, it's a, it's sports, it's a fantasy sports and not in the world of like fantasy football, fantasy baseball. Shane corrected me (laughs) when I said that the other night. I called it a fantasy sports game to someone and like out of context, that just sounds like you're playing fantasy football. It's a sports game set in a fantasy realm.
0: Oh yeah. It's like
2: FIFA.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting to open a book and then in the game read a spell manual and start playing NBA jams. That was not <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, and it does about ten minutes in.
2: It's a combo of a sports game and a like a visual novel interactive fiction game, um, all with uh, the elements of an RPG all over it. Um, which is you see visual novel kind of mixed with RPG more commonly, but I can't think of a sports game mixed with uh, interactive fiction or anything even close to that. I can't think of any other examples that hit what this game accomplishes.
0: What I think is interesting here is, that so the director, uh, Greg Kasavin, says that they didn't set out to make a sports game. And in fact, he kind of, in most of the interviews, um, he expressed, and I think, I, I don't know why, but he expressed some surprise at how much everybody compares this to sports games. Because he says they didn't start out with that as the idea. They just started out with the idea of building a game with an ensemble cast. And uh, if you look at uh, their previous two games, uh, 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 Transistor and Bastion, they both have this sort of action RPG thing, and they've both got their own twist on it. Um, And they're both telling an interesting story with sort of a mysterious world around it. Um, And a lot of that carries right through into Pyre. Uh, But you can kind of see where, like, if you were to take the action uh combat of transistor and think how would we do this if we actually had a bunch of characters to control at once you can really see a kind of a through line from the incredibly fun uh but basically you're playing one character combat of transistor down to something like pyre you know simplify the action a lot but give you more characters to control at a time and suddenly you've got something that is essentially a sport Transistor's action was so intense that they had to let you pause and plan out every move. Uh, and this actually plays very similarly, but because I think they wanted to have this ability to have one-on-ones, they made it real time. You take that away, you have to simplify.
1: Well, I was actually shocked that you get to have a little bit of a RPG controlling other character sense, but you play as a distinct character yourself.
0: You're this kind of team manager, you're the reader. Yeah. That kind and of ties sh- into the setting, which I thought was one of the most fantastically interesting parts of the game was the the overall world building and setting of the
1: game.
2: Yeah, so let's kind of talk about, I think the best way to handle this, because it feels to me like there's two distinct parts of the game. There's like the plot and the story, which is awesome. And then there's the sport game that we've been kind of hinting at. And I think it would actually be more effective to explain the plot. So then we can explain why the... NBA jam game matters <laughs> like yeah why it matters so um, let's start with the kind of like what the world is and 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 why you know everything matters and, and who you are as the reader
0: so a little mini spoiler alert here then.
1: Well, I'll, well I, I'm very early in the game, so I'll, I'll say what I know so that, I, that no one will get spoiled. And then you guys can correct me if I say something that's factually inaccurate because I haven't played as deeply. You start off um, as an exile from the Commonwealth, and you run across some people who rescue you, uh, three folks. Um, and then you kind of look inside of their van, their caravan. <laughs> it's, a <wagon. laughs> it's a wagon. It's a wagon.
2: Yeah, it's a Ford. Uh, <laughs> it's the band no, van. <laughs> it's whatever you want
1: to call it. Um, and they say, oh, look, there's some books in the back. We saved your life. Um, can you read? And you can choose whether you want to try to hide it from them. But it turns out reading is a crime. You open up this book in the back, and they tell you that you can perform a series of rites to get back to be liberated um, and the, then you do a demo of the first right which is the sport game so your folks like the your party is going to go on a road trip <laughs> doing all of the rights and um, that's kind of the, the main plot that's set in motion that you're one of the few people capable of reading uh, you're going to control the party during the rights as your role as the reader but a lot of the RPG elements are, you know, introduced slowly. Or you're, you're doing more and more rights as you go to do the series of eight, and uh, you get more and more lore as you go. But that's the basic hook.
0: The setting is really important. You're you're in this world called the Downside, and uh, the Downside is where the Commonwealth, which uh, at least initially seems like this really nice, uh, you know, uh, society, it tells you all, well, you know, it's based on the the principles of mercy. And I don't remember what else, but you know, it sounds like this very uh, egalitarian cosmopolitan place. Uh, and where when somebody uh, is not acceptable for the downside, so, you know, uh, treason or, for the or criminals, mm-hmm. excuse me, for the Commonwealth, they cast them down into the downside, which it seems at first like it's unclear how it is related to the Commonwealth, but the downside seems to be like completely separated from the Commonwealth. And it's a little unclear, but it it could be a separate sort of plane or dimension or it's a sort of a purgatory. Um, you know, you're in this uh, in this place that is a sort of a um, almost apocalyptic, wasteland uh of a place that is just where all the refuse from the you know good society is cast down to me it sort of reminded me of the uh the the forbidden zone was that it in superman where they would throw people I don't know. (laughs) Zod was exiled into a floating prism in Superman 2. Yes, I think it is the
1: Forbidden Zone. I
0: think it was the Forbidden Zone he was sent to. To me, that's what it seemed like. Only less flat.
1: (laughs) Well, can we talk about how exciting it is to play a game set in an apocalyptic wasteland that has color in it? We are not stuck in a sea of brown and gray and terrible avocado green. We (laughs) are in this beautiful colorful stained glass window glowing and everyone's talking about what a shithole it is but it looks great
2: i think it's only a shithole because everyone is there because they got exiled like it's a lush it's got tons of different biomes there's like the the froze i mean all the rpg like video game worlds you'd want there's like the lava area the the sea <laughs> area the 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 deserts the plains i see everything i see it's it's all beautiful though i mean it, it just feels like Just another world. And I think the only thing that sucks about it is that everyone who is there has been exiled from uh, what's called the Commonwealth.
0: The only really concrete thing I think that was horrible about about the downside was the food.
2: And I (laughs) mean, that's enough.
0: (laughs) Don't get me wrong. If all I can eat is, like, weird slugs, get me
2: out of there. But there's, you know, everyone, like, they say it's really hard for them to survive. And I think part of that is, like, I mean, it'd be hard for anybody just, you just get dropped in a forest somewhere or whatever. Like that's just going to be hard to survive. But I mean, there seems to be like a civilization down there. There's, there's groups, there's like little stores. I mean, there's Falcon Ron, there's Falcon Ron. (laughs) I want to talk about Falcon (laughs) Ron all day. Um, (laughs) We could save that for later. (laughs) The traveling merchant. Um, but there's
0: adorable imps. Mm -hmm. It's a,
2: yeah, it's a really unique environment. Um, and you get there, they, they cast you down the river and, You'd think you could just swim back up the river, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um,
0: it's a river it, of
2: the spirit or something, I think.
0: <laughs> it describes... So it, it takes a while to sort of unravel its um, its lore, and so we won't uh, reveal too much of it before we talk about this, you know, before we do a spoiler break. Um, but, you know... It, it seems sort of absurd on the surface that, you know, these exiles have to play, like, uh, fantasy basketball in order to free themselves from, you know, their exile. Uh, but there's this whole lore that's built up uh, around this idea of the scribes. You know, the Commonwealth has outlawed writing, but there were there are these uh, scribes that were... Uh, exiles in the downside who wrote the Book of Rights, and the Book of Rights is what you read to be able to 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 do these rites that are the kind of game, the the I guess the combat system or the or the you know, sports game aspect of the game, um, and it's it's these sort of mystical rites by these long dead um, sort of revered as gods scribes that allow you to ascend back to the Commonwealth, and something that kind of struck me about this element of it you know the this idea of like the exile and being able to uh, earn your freedom through these mystical rites or you know or sports games basically it actually kind of put me off at first a little bit you know when i first heard the description of the game uh i i thought that sounds a little bit disjointed something that kind of put me off about some of uh supergiant's past games you know the the world of transistor or the world of Um, Of Bastion are a little bit not concrete and a little bit I wouldn't they're they're mysterious but they also have a kind of a heightened fantastical element to them and that's here too but it goes a lot deeper than at least I felt like it did in either of their previous two games like uh, without going into spoilers at this point I left every one of those games wanting to know more about the world and in this one one of the good things about it is everything you learn? And this is kind of part of the hypertext UI of the game. Everything you learn, uh, you'll never forget because not only do you have the classic kind of book of lore where you're unlocking pages, but every piece of writing in the game has this hypertext on it. And so, if you see a name and you highlight it, you'll be able to, you know, get a quick reminder of like where it, what it, what is this person? Where is the? Uh, where do they come from? What are their goals? You quote from them. I love
2: that. So what I think is really interesting about this, too, you know, we, we keep talking about it's a sports game and we're, but we're spending all this time on the plot because the sports element, like the actual gameplay when you're playing the, the game, the rights, I think that maybe ultimately is about a third of the game time, maybe even a quarter of it. The vast majority of this game is consuming the plot and the characters and interactions with the characters, uh, it all to ser- it all serves the purpose of leading you to these games. So the games are a central focus on it, but actual like gameplay time, I felt like was mostly reading um, the you know conversations or, or history or lore or whatever, and that's why it almost felt like a um, interactive fiction game or a visual novel game that had a sports element. Um, when you walk away from the game, you'll probably feel like the rights were the, the focus on it. And that's because that's the, the really fun part of the game. It is an action game. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment, but like the majority of the time is learning about the world. And that's why I think unlike a game like transistor, which is almost all action. And then the the, the lore comes at you, you know, through that, this is more like the lore is the core of the game and then the action is like the part that moves it forward. I think that there's a, you're, you're right. There's definitely the same focus. Um,
0: like the previous games have kept you in the action constantly and have sort of, you know, drip fed, uh, the story. This one lets you interact with the story more or less kind of depending on, on your preference. Really, uh, about half of the, of the story is in these optional things like locations that you can go to that have uh, some interaction with a character or invitations from a character sitting in the wagon, which is you kind know, of a big portion of the UI uh, of the game. You know, there's the, the black wagon, the sort of special. wagon. I, I
2: can't imagine anyone playing this game and skipping the people requesting to talk to you. I, I mean, know. maybe, maybe if you want to just like plow through it and get to the, get to the rights, but like, I don't know. Even when I felt like I just want to move forward, I was like I can't not talk to this person. Like Yeah, the it, characters it, are
0: all so extremely interesting and all the dialogue is like actually really well written or at least I thought so. I really enjoyed yeah. every minute of the every opportunity I could get to talk to them. But if somebody did disagree, they could skip it, I think. I think that's an important thing to note. True. The gameplay on its own is is fun enough that if you're just In fact, you could just start the game uh in two player and I think this is going to be a really fun multiplayer game. I really hope that they get online play going for it, which right now it's it's uh, just couch competitive, kind of 1v1. Mm-hmm. Or you can play against a uh, an AI. It's got a, an option to play versus the computer, which is nice because you can set up matches with you know your own custom difficulty and you can build teams from people that might not have been on teams with each other before, that sort of thing. Yeah,
2: and the AI is good. I mean, there are – and you can increase it um, – you can get beat by these guys no matter how much you're actually trying to win. So especially if you ramp up the difficulty, um, some sports games, it doesn't always feel like that, but this one, I think they spent a lot of time tuning the AI to actually utilize the abilities and stuff. And again, we'll get into that, but I think the, ui and how they tell s- the story i think shane you were starting to get into that is really yep. interesting and it's actually similar to a game that at least <laughs> the two of us hmm. and to a degree reagan though not as much got really into uh yes long long time listeners of this show and I-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so no. when i saw when i saw the
2: ui for
0: this game I, I was immediately like, oh, nice, it has a Destiny cursor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a quick side note, I, um, I was listening today to our episode on Transistor, and Nate was like, yeah, I got, a, I got an alpha for this game, uh, Destiny. I haven't tried it yet. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I was like, oh, That's oh Nate. no, he was so
2: naive, <laughs> so young, so naive. So the Destiny cursor is, I think,
0: the most advanced piece of console uh, RPG user interface that has ever existed. I've played uh, that I've ever played on, on a console, uh, which is not that many. I don't play a lot of console RPGs. Uh, but I love the destiny cursor because it's just so perfect. It has this sort of, I, I, to, to not call it, I don't like calling it the destiny cursor because it's starting to show up everywhere else, but to come up with a name for it, I now think of it sort of as the sticky circle. The Sticky Circle Courser.
2: Whoa, please, try there's not to. If you can think it, of it, something uh, less technical. There's got to be a name no, for it. No, <laughs> there's
1: an official name for it. I, oh, I really? should know this as someone who does UI. Um, I'm
2: afraid to Google Sticky Circle. I don't know how that <laughs> <No>. would...
1: <laughs> there's a term for it that I will find after I leave for the spoiler grape and text to you guys. <laughs> but there is a real name of it.
0: I Well, I hope... I would love to see someone, someone analyze it uh, and see where it's popping up because I love it on consoles. And it has, just like in Destiny it has this sort of halo that kind of sticks to interactive objects. And the nice thing about it on console is like the circle kind of gives, because it's an empty circle, it kind of gives you the illusion that nothing is obscured behind it. You know, unlike with a, with a exact point cursor and it kind of sticks to any, um, edge or something. And if you can use it to pick up and drop stuff and move it around and change, you know, select boxes. And unlike a, Traditional cursor, it's it's large enough to see from your couch. Yes. And so it's easy enough to control with a joystick, which, you know, I don't know. It's nice. I like it.
2: Yeah, as someone who increases the size of their mouse, even on their laptop, which you're sitting like 10 inches away from, I appreciate the giant circle on the screen <laughs> as, my, uh, yeah. as my cursor.
1: So I finally remember the name of them. Um, it's a version of the radial menu that like the little circle thing that comes from the 80s, but they've actually made it work as opposed to the 80s version, which does not work.
2: (laughs) I like sticky circle. Sticky circle. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Shane, put that next year on your uh, resume. Uh, All right, Shane Shane Kelly invented the sticky circle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They also call it a half pie in some variations.
0: Oh, I like that. Sticky pie? Yeah, Mm.
2: But it, it is effective because it lets you either like... You know, someone's talking to you, and as Shane was talking about before, like, words will be highlighted that you can curse over, or you can just hit X and just keep moving through the text. You get to decide uh, what you focus on. And there's a lot of times, you know, early on, you see a name for the first time, you'll hover over it, you get a little bit of a, you know, backstory. But then the next time, it's always there for you if you want it. Like, oh, who is that person again? And that's the thing.
0: You Um, don't really have to worry about missing stuff, because so much of the game is... Is done in this really good hypertext. So, like, if you if you are just, you know, I just sat down and I want to get through this conversation. I want to play some three on three wizard ball. uh, I just hold down the square button and I am like, "Zoop!" I am (laughs) there.
2: Yeah, and I feel like this is um, unlike most of these games that are like an RPG, but you have choices. Uh, this also felt like an interactive fiction game where, like, I really felt that the choices I made in the fiction actually had outcomes, true, like, different changes to the story, both yeah. to the rights, who you'd be playing in the rights, but also big picture story. Um, so you could blow through it, but you may accidentally make a decision uh, that you will regret later. Um, you know, it—it it really, it really wants you to care about the world and gives you all the tools that you would need to actually care about the world.
1: So as... You guys got a lot further in the story than I did. Um, I always find when I'm playing interactive fiction that depend- the game might guide me to either really strongly role play and protect my characters, regardless of how easy or hard the game would make it, or the game is kind of asking me to max min, to really worry about survival and, and be a little let- more callous towards the characters and more protective of-, of getting through the game or succeeding. How does the game balance that in this one?
0: So this game does something that I think is really, really um, unusual and smart, specifically with this, and that's that um, it really hammers home early on that, uh, and in all of the the sort of in-game text and everything, that winning is sort of not everything in this game, you can lose a right... And you can even choose to throw a right. There's lots of characters who you are playing against in these rights who are trying just as hard as all of your characters are to earn their freedom. And sometimes winning isn't the right thing to do, or it might not feel like the right thing to do. And it always gives you the choice to lose a right, and the game will continue, and that includes some of the, like, liberation rights later on, where you can choose at any point to basically—I mean, you might just lose a right, but you can also choose to lose rights intentionally and let other characters kind of get uh, that—get out instead. And Uh that gives you this incredible uh, sort of possibility space. You know, there's probably, if you count every possible combination of who uh, is liberated and who isn't, there's probably uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of possible uh, endings all together. So you talk about how you can throw games, and I, I, I don't think that's a feature that many people would want. Like, technically any game it's possible to throw. You can take Mario and walk him over and just walk right into the first Goomba and wahoo, yeah. It's a me V-Dead, but but why would you do that? So this game, the story and the gameplay work really well together to... I felt like it was a two-pronged attack on like breaking my addiction to winning in this sort of game, right? To see that it could be as interesting to play around and experiment and lose. And so there... Early on like you start when you start off you 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 start off in this uh, Kind of doing a round of these rights not really having read the book and understood stand Understood yet what they're about and you're you're competing against. You know that they're about liberation uh, but You're competing against all these other different characters and learning a little bit about them and as the game goes on you you and your all the players on your team start to have essentially relationships with each other and with the opponents and because this is a game where it's not people trying to kill each other, win or lose those relationships and those stories are gonna go on and there's like there's like some help text that I that I thought I really liked um, you know if you're about to try and restart a match like you know you're about to lose and you're gonna hit restart uh, it's it warns you, You know, the story will continue. You need but see it through. And when I got to that at the first Liberation right, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see it through. This game wants me to see it through. And I I lost. And I went on a losing streak in this game. And um, some of the most interesting stuff that happened in the game happened because I lost compared to the stuff that happened because I won.
1: And... For those who can't see, Nate, during half of that uh, piece, was shaking his head no back and forth with a look of shame on his face.
2: Shame, shame. There, I didn't even know there was a way to restart a right. It Win or lose, it is a part of it. And so uh, for those of you out there who are about to lose a right and you restart it, Reagan, <laughs> uh, I... That is counter to the point. I didn't even know there was a help a text that tells you that. But I'm telling you now: if you losing a right is is as eventful as winning a right, so you should play it through. Um, I will. I
0: will also say though that like there's not really (laughs) a wrong way to play this game. Uh, I Shane said you know (laughs) this game helps to break your uh, addiction to winning. Uh, I I have fun. I have that. Uh, that addiction. Nate is accusing us of having the wrong kind of fun, guys. Yeah, and the wrong right. kind of fun. No, playing correction,
1: fire. he's accusing Reagan of yes. having the wrong kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, I, um, I
0: did that several times. I restarted several rights because I was losing them, and the game I'm is just fine. Saying, it's I'm it, just if, saying if that's good. how you want to play. If you can't stand the idea of losing one of the matches, I, I, I intentionally did lose one of them. Um, but like, if you can't stand the thought of losing the match. uh, you you
2: don't have to. And okay, it, it's fine. I'll say one thing: the developers put it in there. Obviously, they they want you to be able to do that. I would like to think it's more like, oh, uh, you know, I had some sort of life crisis in the middle of this one, and I lost it because <laughs> I had to, uh, you know, leave my controller running to go and provide cpr uh, not, 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 it's not, there for life or it's death situations. yeah you have not, to
0: sign off if, if on
1: that
0: if the starbucks across the street is on fire
1: <laughs> I, my baby started screaming and i just forgot to hit pause yeah
2: that that's why that's there not because you just can't stand to lose Hey, all um. right, all right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm mostly joking. But I, I do think it's an interesting element. Like, what, you know, I think I've been the one to say, like, sports game a hundred times. But, like, I love, you know, baseball games. But there's never been a game ever that has, like, made me, even for a moment, consider wanting to not win. And, like, throwing a game for a story purpose, I mean, where else, like, that is an experience, I mean... I, there's nothing else that's like that. Yeah, it's really that, neat. Is co- that is counter to what sports games want you to try to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of another game that's trying to enforce a community where you're trying to play people who you might... Like Usually that's safe for the end, like Undertale. Like, you might not... Yeah. You're not trying to... You know, for people who haven't played, like the, you can play that game and not murder your way through it. Uh, you can try to beat up people and get through but that's that's clearly the way to play through that game it's not as if you have a choice to lose or win you always have to win in undertale there's just different ways (laughs) of winning well and
2: with with that like i don't think it's totally unheard of to have games where it's like to kill or not to kill like you're making the moral choice like that while interesting is is relatively common at this point but like it's
0: not common like it's undertale is is famous for a reason like there's not that many there's not that many games that have that degree of choice in terms of how you sure. you reach I guess, your ending or, or play your game and this has it this has t- that at least as much
2: yeah i agree i'm saying i guess i'm saying that like moral decisions are becoming more and more like common, like whether you're going to feel like a good person or not when you make a decision. But I can't think of any other game that has had a, a straight up like game in the middle of it that has incentivized you to, or not even incentivized, because you don't necessarily get anything better by throwing the game, but the feeling of it would be best if I lost this game um, for a AI character you know, not mm-hmm. you as the player, because you as the player don't gain anything by throwing this match. It is purely a story decision. And while I never did that, like the stars, no pun. Technically, did, did not you do all
0: gain love. something. Even if you lose a match, you gain inspiration, which makes experience points, magnifies yeah. the you know experience points later. But
2: I guess that's true. But that's just that's like a balancing thing to keep it. Where, yeah. Like so you level up no matter what. But like to for the for the player to give up every like any anything that you as a player are trying to accomplish to let like a story element go forward rather than your goals as a player is is unique and i think that's one of the Really is. really one of the big accomplishments of this game that it that gives you a feeling that no other game that i've experienced gives you and i never had You're it absolutely right. line up like that for me like for the most part almost every time i i like i played every match to win um but It's I know that there were other ones that the way it lined up, like with what you're talking about, Shane, like I think I probably would have thrown the match, too, if I had gotten that set of circumstances, the way I ended up playing most of the time, I felt like it was more justified for my characters to win than the other characters. But that was something I had to think about, which like what other game, what other sports type game do I have to think like, is it the right thing for my team to win? Like, you don't go into the Super Bowl like, well, morally uh, you know the, the other team they really worked harder for this than I did you
1: know it's pretty hard to think of another game where losing does not equal death mm-hmm. or where the game isn't optimized to only continue if you win or losing doesn't sincerely you know, it's not like you have to win 7 out of 10. You know, if if losing does not equal instant death, you still have to win, you know, it, 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 there's severe consequences or your character's nerfed or, like, a lot of times losing is so penalized or even ends your game that it's hard to rethink, to kind of break your brain and think about losing as a choice.
0: Most of the matches don't even have a significant impact on the story you know many of them are just introducing you to characters or uh, furthering kind of animosity or friendship between you and another character I want to get into talking about sort of the details of the rights and also just sort of like the the structure of the tournament, how one right kind of goes into the next. But before we dive off fully onto that, uh, we hadn't really completely talked about just how awesome this game looks and sounds. And I just wanted to spend a couple seconds talking about that. Like, guys, thank God for Darren Korb. Like, every soundtrack that he has done is fantastic. Uh, Every Supergiant soundtrack is by him. And this one might be my favorite of all of them i mean transistor has an amazing soundtrack but like this one has some songs that have this sort of like folksy you know vibe to them others it still holds that feel while mixing in some electronic stuff like it's re and it's really long like you download this soundtrack and it's got like I forget, but it's like certainly more than like 50 tracks. Like it's a lot of music composed for this game. Every character has a unique song, and every team that you come up against has a unique uh, with hymn with full lyrics that are that is sung while you fight them in a liberation
2: rite. Yeah, mm. it it does thematic uh, music very very well. Like you you'll get to the point where you'll hear a sound like a song and you kind of know what character might be coming up. Um, they, they do it really well with that. I I think it's, um, it's composed to the degree that like a full, if not more than like a, a full movie soundtrack might. Um, and it's on Spotify. I've been listening to it since the game came out. It's fantastic. It, we put it on, uh, like we had a bunch of, um, you know, because we have a new baby in the house, we have family over constantly, um, and so we just play music in the background. And I was playing that soundtrack the other day, and it just fit. It's, just, it's such good music that, like, it just fits anywhere, too. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. And Shane mentioned you know. the lyrics. Like,
0: that's something that—if I, I had one complaint about the soundtrack, it's that some <laughs> of the songs, the lyrics are a little— I don't know, I, I thought that they felt a little goofy in some circumstances, it, you know, but even then, like, it's still amusing for you to be playing these rites and have a song uh, come in that's essentially, you know, singing about
2: the uh, the teams. It's really Well, and because everything they do, everything Supergiant does, serves a purpose and is part of the world, a major character that you interact with is called the Minstrel or the Lone Minstrel and he kind of guides you around the world. It's supposed to be him that's singing, and he yeah. is the lone minstrel. And it's actually Darren Corb singing too. So, um, it it it's actually it's not just like a, out of nowhere like a song comes on. It's they set up that he's gonna be the one singing the song, and then the song is about the. About I love it. What's happening. I I really loved it.
1: So I already mentioned I was excited for. A- Pink dystopia, or at least just a colorful one. But um, I mentioned this on the podcast once or twice before. I really like concept art from animation. And I think that the art um, is, if not inspired by, very similar to a guy called Avon Earl, who was the main designer for Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Reagan and I went to the Disney Family Museum uh, when I visited him. Yay. Thank you for letting me visit you. Um and they had a big uh, exhibit of his landscape paintings, and what they have in common is there's all this color and all this texture, and it's still completely flat. He puts like a million trees on, and they're in these crazy like bulbous shapes, and there's so much color and pattern in them, but it's still two-dimensional. Um, and I think it's kind of, I mentioned stained glass, but it's that same kind of, it's not like everything is just glazed in a single color. Every Hill has a slightly different pattern or model just to make it look like it's it's visually distinct, but it's still totally two-dimensional. Uh, I'll put a couple of the paintings in the show notes, but uh, his he's one of the only people I've seen with this art style. And I loved seeing something inspired by it show up, or at least that looked to me to be inspired by it show up in.
0: Yeah, that was my first thought too. I immediately thought of his work. And if, uh, if you're not familiar with, uh, Evand Earl, uh it, it, you probably are familiar with Disney's Sleeping Beauty.
1: He did Maleficent. I know, well, like the 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 coloring of her.
0: Yeah, the coloring he and the, that the backgrounds coloring. in that movie are astonishing looking and that's the kind of visuals that this has. It has this feeling of like a beautiful old Disney uh production. Um, but also modern, you know. There's there's a lot of things about it that don't have that 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 exact feel. I'd say the character design feels yeah. a little bit more fresh. It's very detailed, very expressive, cool looking silhouettes. It's
1: less film or TV, and more like it's it's taking advantage of the glow of your TV screen. So it's it's like the color on those, uh, which is already you know using color very well, but adding that. Glow that you don't get in old Disney, like that. Just the light is yeah. really good. And but what
0: yeah. we're not talking about is what the actual subject matter of this of this location art in this game is, which is these the entire landscape of the downside has been transformed by these incredible dead star titans that are just you know these like enormous um, creatures that like litter the landscape. That are all all have been killed in some way by one of the scribes. Really incredible, high fantasy. Uh, I think the really high fantasy, you know, incredible setting uh, sells the fantastical elements of this game better than almost any other part of it.
2: Yeah, and if we're gonna, uh, if I can throw out one more sort of comparison, which I know are only so helpful if if you know the thing that we're talking about, Um, but. It kind of reminded me of some of the drink box games, uh, Severed and Guacamelee. Like, I thought the colors Mm -hmm. were pretty similar. It it felt Mm. kind of like if, like, I I felt like you could zoom in on one of the worlds and play through Severed (laughs) in this map. Um, Maybe a little more saturated and a lot more colorful, but, like, it, it, it felt very similar to that as well.
0: I could see that, too. Yeah, particularly the way they use color. It's really,
2: yeah. Um, and one last thing on the sound that I just have to, uh, I, it made me laugh every time and I loved it is, uh, so there, every time you talk to a character, um, it's all in text, but they all have a voice and it's similar to like, I don't know, in like a, in like an RTS game, you know how you'd like click on a creature or whatever Mm -hmm. and it'd be like, yeah. Yeah, a, quite do do a lot
0: it. to me, I think it was the most similar to like maybe the language in the sims or something like that. <laughs> yeah. there's quite a lot of uh, fully How voiced dialogue, but it, it, you know, and every character has a unique voice recorded by a different very talented voice- and i think actually in this case extremely talented voice mm-hmm. actor or actress um it, but it's it's all this kind of latinate pseudo invented language. That's the language of the Commonwealth so that they can get away with a, a lesser amount of, of recorded dialogue, but it's really well used. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and the, the, clearly the voice actors are, they're given like, okay, the, you're going to do like a three second sound bite that covers, you know, we're about to throw like 10 lines where you're very excited. So you only have three seconds to make yeah. like this you know, sort of gibberish that sounds very excited.
0: There are certain words that come up again and again, like uh, ligaratus, that's the reader, mm-hmm. and um, uh, a few other things like that. But yeah, I think they probably did come up with like a, a vocabulary for this. I read a post on Steam from the, one of the developers. He did write like a, a whole I'm sure he thing did. about how he created the special language.
2: One thing that I don't get, though, and this comes up in a lot of th- situations like this, is they have this language and everything is to serve the world as it is, then why are the minstrels' songs in English? <laughs> <laughs> because you only speak English. Like,
0: they're not going to... Well, actually...
1: Because well, we you're the reader, the and only readers get to speak English, and don't worry about it. <laughs> I actually, know. Actually, yeah, actually that's a totally good point,
0: because, Laura, that's a totally good point. There's one moment in this game where one of the voice actors speaks to you in English, and it's when one reader is speaking to another reader psychically. So, like, I think in the context of the game, like, English mm. is, like, the language of the readers. And you notice the book is also in English, you know, of course. Yes, a- the book
1: is in English. Yeah.
0: Uh. So I think there's there's a sort of an in-game th- – this game does a great job with a sort of diegesis of stuff, you know?
2: Like, yeah, maybe.
0: I think it's a thing. So I feel like we can't let this episode go without actually talking a little bit about the rules of the rights, the the actual sport, you know, how does it work? Um, And, you know, we don't need to go into tons of detail here, but there are some things that I wanted to talk about about it that I think are really clever and fun. I mean, it keeps it very simple. This is three-on-three sport ball, you know? This is (laughs) three-on-three, like, I don't know what you'd call this. I think it sort of plays in my limited understanding of sports. So take that for what you will. It plays a little bit kind of like basketball, a little bit like hockey. Uh,
2: yeah, I think it's like um, basketball and reverse ultimate Frisbee. So in ultimate Frisbee, the only, if you have the Frisbee, you can't move and everyone else can move in this game. If you have the only person who can move is the person who has, you know, the sports ball. Um, and then kind of like rugby too. Well,
0: and, and, and in, actually it's not just the person who has the ball who can move if none of your team has the ball you can choose which one of them to move um and if one of your teammates does get the ball uh whichever one of them has the ball moves which keeps it really simple some a problem that i often had with sports games and i have not played a ton of sports games but back many years ago when i was a bit younger and would play literally anything i could get my hands on and uh and sports games were you know we're talking about like the height of like Maddens and things like this. I just found sports games very confusing because you have this very large team and it was sometimes not obvious which character or player rather you're controlling. And, um, I just, honestly, sports games just never fully clicked for me. I just didn't get how to play them on, on a pretty fundamental level. Part of that was that I was young, but really just, they just confused me. Um, whereas this is really, really clear and simple. The sports games that I have really enjoyed, uh, are things like tennis games where you've only got one character? Well, this you have three, but it keeps it really clear as to like how to move around and control your team. It's it's you know you're never trying to like figure out how to issue controls to multiple
2: players at a time. You're always only controlling one player. Yeah, the complexity though comes from the fact that um, you you have three characters, but they are all distinctly unique. There is not one character. That really plays at all like another character um there's some maybe some tiny similarities if their um if their race is the same we haven't really touched on that but there's a lot of different races in this game um but you know one character can fly uh one character can self implode um you know one character can cast like a little tree to block an area they are all very unique and so a lot of the skills of the game to me at least came from learning how to maximize the character's abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the simplicity of it is that you're only playing at any given moment, one of them at a time. And each of them uh, has a few main actions, so
0: it keeps the actual things that, you know, your your verbs in the game pretty simple. You know, while you're controlling a character, um, all of them have uh, the option to pass the ball, or if you don't have the ball, to just sort of pass control, so you're switching which character you're controlling at a time. Um, and that can happen really quickly at any distance. You can pass from one end of the field to the other with essentially no chance of an interception. The ball goes from one person to the other almost instantly. So you can pass at any time to switch characters. And uh, then each character also has an offensive action. Um, so each character has a kind of an aura that surrounds them and it, the, its size is based on their stats. Uh, but basically if another, if a character with a larger aura bumps into a character with a smaller aura, they get banished to time out for a moment. Um, so, uh, but the character with the ball has no aura whatsoever. They're vulnerable. Uh, and then, uh, so each character has an offensive move, which mostly sort of throws their aura at another character. Each character has a dash that works a little differently for different characters and different speeds that sort of thing and each character has a kind of a jump or fly action depending on the character it might just be a quick little hop to kind of leap over another character or it might be uh like a teleport halfway across the map and all of those are pretty consistent but what each one of those actions means like each character's jump or fly action is totally different each character's option for dashing works a little bit different at different speeds uh, oh yeah, everybody has uh, has a different level of stamina that kind of gates how much you can use these actions. So it it keeps the actions really simple, but each character, the, those four actions mean totally different things mm-hmm. and really <laughs> rewards you kind of
2: experimenting with and playing with each of the characters to try and get a sense of how to use them. And then the RPG element is as you level up, you as completing rights, win or lose, you're going to get um, inspiration, which is another word for experience in this game. Um, It unlocks new masteries, which are a skill tree. You'll recognize it if you've ever played an RPG. And also you unlock uh, or you earn different talismans that let you – they can be real simple like plus eight to quickness or they can alter an ability or give a new ability. So you can sort of – not only are you learning the characters, you're also advancing them in a way that fits your play style and they become stronger and and faster and better.
0: If I can talk a little bit more about how customizable – the game is in that way um, you, can, you can level up any of these different elements that Nate just described uh, but you can customize the way that the game plays as well um, in a way that's really similar to something that Transistor had where you could put on these limiters uh, that made the game harder and in exchange get more experience uh, this game repeats that with these constellations that you can kind of include or not include in the ritual And, um, with those, like, I I really feel like that is an incredible way to add a difficulty slider to your game, uh, for people that really want to, um, kind of dynamically pick and choose how hard a certain encounter might or might not be. So you can turn them all, if you turn them all off the whole game, you're going to steamroll every opponent, uh, probably, and you're going to, uh, but you're not going to level up very far, uh, with any of your characters. But if you turn more of them on... You can pick
2: and choose until you get a
0: feel, uh, having that little bit of control over how the enemies behave. I really like that.
2: Yeah, and again, because everything serves a purpose, there are times for, for story reasons. I don't know if you guys ran into this as much, because it seems to be very specific, but there was one time at a very distinct story purpose for turning on one mm. of the difficulty sliders. and it Yeah, that was it great, had, it, it had a, what you're talking about. Yeah, it had a pretty intense um, effect. Uh, I should mention
0: all of this is on top of the normal, easy, medium, hard. Yeah, uh, yes. this game has. So another really important thing about this that plays into both the story and how the rights play out is that you know we mentioned at the top that uh, these rights are about trying to send your people home, you know, try to liberate people from the downside and send them back to the Commonwealth. And uh, so throughout the game, there are certain rights that you get to play out where uh, you know ultimately if you win, uh, somebody uh, win or lose somebody is going to ascend back to from the downside back to the commonwealth and that's both really good from a story perspective although there's a sort of bittersweetness to that you know you want your friends these characters that you've built relationships with over the game to go home this is what they all are fighting for but it also means that they're gone from the story essentially uh and so you you might miss them i mean i know i did for some of them
2: oh man it was such a bummer i felt so sad letting some of these guys i it was one of the hardest decisions in this game for me was who to let go but there's also a really important like gameplay aspect to
0: that too, because maybe the character that you like the best, maybe you really really like Jodariel, the the uh, you know the the woman who saves you yeah. in the first scene, Jody. Yeah, and she is a great character in the story, and she's also an absolute beast in the rights. She's really powerful, and if you've kind of built your gameplay in the rights around using Jodariel, and then you liberate her then you've got to figure out a different playstyle that she uses the on. characters you still have. And I loved that because it really really encouraged me to try characters that I might have otherwise. So it gives you a big cast. If you are uh if you're playing this game right, you're playing with all of them, trying to level them up evenly so that when you do liberate your friends, you're not left with a team of people that ha- that you have, you know, put like five experience points into. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked that about it because there are some characters that, on the surface, if you don't, uh, if you haven't played a ton of rights with them yet, they seem really weird uh, and difficult to use. And then once you once you get it, they're really cool and interesting. There's so many, so much
2: variety there. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's actually anyone who's any better than anyone else. I think they did a great job of making every character very, very valuable and worthwhile mm-hmm. as playing. Um, it's incredibly so, balanced. Yeah. So, uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I had what I considered like my dream team. It was uh, Headwind, Jodariel, and Tizo, and I mm. could just slay with them. But like, you know, that team started getting smaller, and I had to learn other ways, and I just felt so bad. But also, to the point at the beginning about how like you feel, you know, the 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 story you are affected by how you feel, and maybe you'll win or lose, depending on the story. I felt good letting these guys go like i yeah. made I made some uh liberation decisions that I knew were not going to that were going to negatively affect my gameplay because I was really good with a couple of them. but I also wanted that character to be free <laughs> Yes. so uh, it was sad, but it was also kind of you know bittersweet.
0: Something story wise that I really, really love about that, and I don't think this is too much of a spoiler. When you liberate each character, not too long afterwards, um, you know, in, in the course of the story, you get a letter back from them. You know, that just sort of tells you a little bit about how they're holding up now that they've escaped back to the Commonwealth. And I loved those. I thought, and everyone just like
2: everyone so gets good. plus one hope whenever you get yeah. that letter back, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> which is which is so nice. Um, it, but the The thing that I really have to like stress about the rights is that they are so much fun. I loved playing the rights. Definitely, uh, I just like I when when I finished the game, I went back and just you can just play the like you know just play the rights as a as a, a sli- as an option from the main menu. I went back and was playing more of them. It's just a fun game and so you're talking about just doing the versus mode just the versus mode it's worth it and i what i like i'm sad there's not online play because i want i love couch versus games i've played like hundreds of hours of towerfall and i want to do the same with this game it's just such a fun game so like it it sticks out even though it it is a smaller part of the overall gameplay like i loved playing the rights and and in some of them because I do not cheat like Reagan did, <laughs> I got really, really stressed. And then on a really important one, I won with three health left on my pyre. And it was like, I was standing. I was so like st- <laughs> stressed they about are, this They game. are sweaty, man. Some of those yeah. rights are like really tense. I love them. But they only take about five, I mean, maybe five minutes at the most for a game to run from start to finish, if not short. I mean, uh, I had one game that I think I finish in 45 seconds because you you just have to dunk on them depending on who you're playing as 3 to 5 times usually. Um so if you just get the ball and score like really quick, you can finish a whole right in under a minute or it can be a stressful back and forth, you know, um game that t- takes a lot longer but they're quick.
0: I had one right where uh, both uh, both my characters and their characters had some kind of um one of the talismans uh, gives you an option to when you dunk on the opponent's pyre, it reignites yours somewhat. And, um, I had, uh, I had also turned on some of the options, the, uh, the sort of, um, constellations so that they had a lot more, uh, fire on their pyre than I did. And that game, that particular right, got so tense. It was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, they would dunk my pyre down to practically nothing. And then I would build it back up by dunking on them. And, oh, man, most of these games go about five minutes. But they can get really nuts. Can I say one thing about the pyres themselves? Every dunk for every character has multiple perfect, awesome animations where your character... Just literally throws themselves into the opponent's flame and is consumed, and the the characters are all wearing these intense uh robes and masks, right, uh, and the animations for them are all so good so so good <laughs> so good. Yeah. the way that Joe Daryl just sort of creeps forward like Joe Daryl is huge but slow as hell, and she she walks forward with this like tiptoe. Like, <laughs> tiptoe creep holding this book out in front of her. Yeah. You know, it's so, you know, the, some of the animation is incredible. I
2: built a talisman, though, that had plus eight quickness and gave it to Joe Dario, And so I was, like, kind of oh. a fast Joe Dario. It was awesome. Uh, I, I have to throw this out now because I think this is perfect. I put out on Twitter the other day, like, what do you what do people think of Pyre? And someone wrote back, uh, it said, religion, criminals... And monster dunks what's not to love <laughs> uh, monster dunks that was at post butt wave great Twitter handle um, so incredible monster dunks uh, both liter- literally literally uh, because they're they're kind of monsters and figuratively. Um, I mean, this game. Could
0: that be the sequel? Can we get Pyre 2 monster, monster dunks? dunks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is a satisfying feeling when you, especially with someone like Jodario, who is slower. So you have to get all the way to the other side of the field and, yeah. you know, get into their pyre. Uh, you can also throw the orb, um, you know, which is a little That's less, a risky move. It is. It's a little less yeah. satisfying because it's not a monster dunk, but uh, <laughs> it actually does serve a really good purpose. Is when you do monster dunk, your character, that character is banished for the next round. Um, so, but if you throw it, they stay in. Uh, so, if you can pull it off, it's it's worthwhile.
0: So, I know that. Uh... We're all eager to talk about some of the, you know, who we, we uh, liberated and... No, 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 sorry. I have one thing I want to do before this spoiler break because I want to have everybody, everybody together. All right, so one of my favorite ways... I just want to throw one more thing about the game. One of my favorite ways that it was customizable, we've talked about so many ways that you can customize your gameplay in this really natural way within this, you know, that becomes a part of the story. But the best customization that they offered is there's this adorable, good, good dog character named Rookie Greentail and he's such a good boy and at first I wasn't sure I liked him or not but he came to me in the black wagon and he asked me does my mustache make me look disreputable (laughs) (laughs) and I said to Rookie Greentail yes because he has a mustache that much resembles much resembles resembles the mustache on my good brother my good good brother (laughs) Reagan Kelly
1: how could you shave that precious boy? What did you do? And that he precious boy me, that looks Reagan. like Reagan. He came to me
0: and he asked if the mustache made him look disreputable. And I told that good, good dog, yes, it does. And he no. shaved it off. Did he? No. Oh, and that, said, yes, he did. He uh, removes the mustache. That's <laughs> no, funny. I can't, I cannot live with this shade. This this shall not stand. How could you shave that good, good boy? He looked <laughs> so proud of his
2: mustache. It does look, he
0: shaved look Reagan when he, when he was sent home in glory, Reagan. It is oh. identical
2: to Reagan's current mustache. You're right. Oh no. <laughs> Listeners, I uh,
0: I work from home and and uh, you know I, I only interact with people and things like podcasts. Uh, I live in a live in a podcast hole, and so because of that, I've been able to uh, disregard uh, all haters and grow a magnificent mustache.
1: Uh, a it's, disreputable it's mustache glorious. in the end. Uh...
0: Listeners, tell us what you think about Rookie Greentail's mustache. Rookie looked awesome. He's a good dog. I if love it. If you him.
2: think Reagan's mustache makes him look disreputable, please reach out to us at underscore <laughs> short game. <laughs> uh, I
0: don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, well, I guess that's probably as good a place as any for us to
2: break for our spoiler break. I want. I want to tease one thing more that we've left out in this entire conversation for a purpose there is a story element that we're not talking about a very deep story element that carries much of the game so we're gonna talk about that and more on after the spoiler break but it is as much we've already been talking about how deep and intense this game is as far as the lore we haven't even touched on a major part of it so if this game already sounds fun to you just wait cuz there's even more um, yeah. Or
0: just go play this game. Like, this game is super good. That's what I mean. Good. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I I absolutely love this game. So, I, God, 2017, our our game of the year pick is going to be so hard to make.
2: So hard. It is. I'm. I got to get the mailing addresses of all these companies to send them trophies. Uh, maybe we'll just yeah. do a, uh, you know, like, just everybody wins. Let's get, stop ranking. You know, what does that even mean anymore?
1: But as the... Somehow the person without any life events didn't finish the game, so I'm going to get off so I don't spoil myself, because I will be playing a lot of this in the future. Lori,
2: I was thinking, you keep saying you didn't have any life events, and while that's true currently, we all just went to Chicago for your wedding. You just did your life event, like, you know, a few months before ours all stacked on top of each other, so... And so you're not allowed to have another one for a while. (laughs) Yeah, so let's...
1: Eventually I'll go on a honeymoon, (laughs)
0: Alright, well, enough. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, here it is,
2: your spoiler break. So, the part that we were leaving out, assuming you've played the game, we're going to be, you know, rehashing that. But if for some reason you're still listening and you have not played the game, I, slowly but surely what develops is a, a sort of mysterious character um, by the name of Sandalwood... Uh, or at least that's all you know about him. I uh, is sort of a the mysterious benefactor of your being in the rights at all. And you slowly start to learn that he is planning a revolution in the commonwealth. And he'll be doing that by using the fame and fortune that the winners of the rights get when they return to the commonwealth. So as the story develops and and continues, you start to not only be balancing, you know, who you're playing as winning the rights and who you're letting free, but also balancing that with how they're going to contribute to what just becomes the plan. And as the game continues, the the people in the Commonwealth start to kind of figure out what's going on. And it all starts to take this sort of darker and darker tone um, because you're essentially taking part in a revolution, which is awesome.
0: I really liked how they played that into the lore with the scribes, because Mm -hmm. it takes a while to sort of spin out, okay, what is the deal with the scribes? And, you know, how does that um, – how does this ancient history or these basically gods uh, relate to the current situation? But the Commonwealth uh, was preceded by an empire that's really sounded like a kind of an basically, you know, evil empire – and the Commonwealth uh, was formed when these scribes, who are all people who got exiled to the downside, uh, you know, created the rights and and um, basically gave up their freedom to start sending people back to the Commonwealth. And it, the, uh, the Commonwealth was essentially founded in the name of the scribes. Uh, I don't think the scribes themselves founded it because I think that they had to Stay in the downside. It was a little unclear. All this stuff is sort of told through, you know, verse like, you know, legends, but long story short, this revolution that you're taking part in is a kind of a mirror of this revolution that created the commonwealth but the commonwealth founded in the name of the scribes and everything has fallen you know they've outlawed reading where obviously if it was founded by scribes that doesn't sound like a founding principle and it yeah, no longer it was, longer sort it was of when reflects they the invented vision. the stamping press which i thought was a neat detail <laughs> they the and so the character of wolfred was exiled specifically for uh owning just such a press uh, and making making uh making Written words available
2: to people to read. There's something about like in fantasy games, like feeling the need to come up with another word for things that we have a word for. (laughs) So, like a stamping press is somehow a fantasy version of a printing press. Like they've they've (laughs) they've evolved to English, but not exactly yeah you know it's it's funny i there's just a couple Well, you know of what's it.
0: nice about it is anytime they have one of those weird fantasy terms they kind of um ease you into it by making it hypertext so you can hover over the yeah. word stamping press the first time you see it and see like oh what is it oh that's a printing press oh <laughs> they were out oh and furthermore they were outlawed by this king of the commonwealth or whatever yeah so so you can um they use the that kind of thing as specifically as a way to deliver more background. You know, we don't need to play-by-play play every uh, every plot detail post-spoiler break, but uh, I did want to talk a little bit about how things kind of turned out in each of our games you know were there any characters that you that we met sort of post what we consider spoilers that we particularly liked or um you know who did you choose to liberate how did it work out for you guys
2: well I think what's important too is to uh you know the fact that it becomes increasingly clear that not every one of your party is going to be freed at the beginning of the game it, it sounds like that's your goal to get everyone free um and so it's like great I love all these characters um First thing
0: they do is they tell you, you as the reader, you're not getting free.
2: No, but everyone else, your goal is to get everyone free, and you're like, oh, great, I get to send everyone home. Uh, That sounds awesome. And then you kind of keep meeting more and more characters, it's like, oh, man, I'm going to have to send all of these home. And then you kind of start thinking, like, well, you have to have three in a match, so how's this going to work? And so, of course, they add in this fact that the rights are coming to an end and ultimately three people that's yourself included will not be liberated will
0: have to stay back um, yeah and that's that's a it's possible to have essentially none of your characters liberated it's you know from 0 to uh so at, at least three of you will be staying behind um the way that I played I, I sort of played to win, and so I sent all but a handful of the characters back, um, and I, I made those choices mostly kind of based on who I thought would be most used to the plan and which characters mm-hmm. I thought sort of deserved it most, I guess. Um, but I I th- I just remembered that when I when they rest saved my life uh, as after I was dragged out of the river, uh, that me and Rookie Greentail and Joe Dariel and Hedwin said we're all going back. And so I was like try to get them back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I uh I sent Hedwin first, which was really sad for me because I was he was who I thought I was best at uh, in the rights, but yeah. I also this was like the first time in this game I was like man, this game is making me feel like something that I wasn't expecting to feel in this game, which is I was like Hedwin was even kind of sad that he was going because he was like I I said I wouldn't leave until all of you had left, but I will go, you know, I was like, I thought heaven would be the first, the best first person for the plan. He's like the leader, you know, we need a strong force on the other side. Um, so he's, yeah. like, who did you guys send first?
0: I also sent Hedwin first. And, um, that was because I, at the time I, uh, I, when it became a possibility, um, the character that I named may, that's a detail that I thought was really neat about this. By the way, there's that character who's, uh, who doesn't remember her own name. She's kind of, you know, off, She's moonstruck. She rhymes with hay or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And she says, I know that my name rhymed with gray. And then it gives you a choice of about a dozen different options. Um, and so, of course, I chose May because she has nightmare eyes. And, uh, and, So May, uh, May for me, kind of they they do have a lot of differences in their play style. There's no two characters that are really alike, but May kind of slotted into the slot that Hedwin would have occupied in my in my roster, and that worked out okay. And so I was able to send him back without like at that point you don't have a ton of characters. Um, Yeah, Hedwin was one of the ones that I didn't send back. Um, Really, and yeah, no, I, I. I didn't use Hedwin that much. I actually uh, wasn't really that that interested in Hedwin's character, um, but I liked his story in the end. Uh, he was, he, I at the he was the one I was going to try and send over last. So uh, at the end of the story, well, I don't want to spoil the ending yet because we're we're going to talk about that. But well, um, I this was, is I the kept spoiler mind. break. <laughs> I, I tried to send Hedwin back at the end, and then because uh, I had one final slot, and I wanted to get my you know, A team out of the downside. Uh, but then at the, the twist at the end is, uh, you're finally offered a chance to go yourself. And I was like, nah, fuck this. I'm out.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Uh, that's fine. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I, oh man, I went the whole way, other way around. I sent, too. um, uh, oh, what's his name? The, the, the guy who's sort of nominally nominally the bad guy, Volfred. No, not Volfrid. No, um, Oralek or whatever. Oralek. Yeah. I sent Oralek back. Oh, uh, did I, you? I thought. Yeah, it just seemed like such a bummer. Like Orlek is uh, is kind of the bad guy. Um but there's no kind true of the bad hate. guys in the game. And it's really only sense. the
2: last like twenty percent of the game does Orlek kinda yeah. like come in. And
0: and he's like like his backstory is really I thought was really interesting. Like he was uh he won one of these rights and then got kind of shafted out of being able to go home. And so I just sort of felt like, you know, it's a choice between me sending uh the reader back or sending him back. And the other characters that I still had at the time were uh, Tezo, Big
2: Bertrude, and Volfred, and I was like, you know, they can stay. So mm. um, that's funny. We we were pretty close. I my final decision. I had Sir Gilman. So and I ended up sending him back. I was like, the reader can stay. And then I had uh, Big Bertrude and Volfred stay as well.
0: Can I just like sing the praises of Big Bertrude as a character? I absolutely <laughs> loved Big Bertrude because when she first shows up, she seems like, you know, bog-dwelling witch. She's basically a cliche or, you know, she's she seems like, seems like this background character. And then when she joins your party, it's a bit of a surprise. And the more you interact with her, the more interesting she gets. She's really an interesting character. And she's super, super fun to play with. Like in the rights, she is a beast there's this, uh, there's this one talisman that you can get for her. It's the one that you get by completing her scribe trial, which is this whole other thing we haven't talked about and probably don't need to. But um, you get this talisman for her that lets her like blast wave attack penetrate through walls, which means that she can basically sit where she's safe and take people out over this enormous area of the map if you buff it up. I, she's she's absolutely nuts. Yeah, she was my uh, replacement for Joe Dariel when I sent her back. Mm, yeah. Joe Dariel is a great defensive character, and Bertrude is a well. I
2: Yeah, I, I kept Joe Dariel for a long time, but Tizo was my go-to. Tizo was one of the last ones that I let through, because Tizo could just fly over everyone and was super fast, and I buffed his um, his bomb. But I want to talk about what endings you guys got, because, I, Reagan. Mm-hmm. I feel like you and I might have been pretty close on our final outcome, but Shane, I think... It sounds like we all you were more different than ours. So can you tell? So what, when you finally make the decision, you get like a wall of text, or not a wall of text, but they tell you how, like what happens in the Commonwealth. So
0: yeah, yeah. I'm
2: wondering in like mine. What happens?
0: The plan is a success, but uh, so the Commonwealth is overthrown, but it's a bloody battle, mm-hmm. and the um the characters. You you get an update on what all what has happened to all the characters afterwards, and you go back. And the reader sort of uh, uh, kind of fades into obscurity. You know, the reader who, you know, you only really illustrate a little bit about that, that character's background. He just achieves whatever his end was. And I had gotten revenge on the Commonwealth, which was my, my goal all along. But for me, some of the characters that were enemies that came back were, were most interesting in the ending. Um, one of the first, in my first liberation match, I fought against uh, Igneous, uh, who is, I can't remember the team name, but he's a giant uh, devil. Uh, similar to, or demon, sim- similar to Joe Dariel. Uh, and he's held up as pretty much like the worst guy, uh, as far as I could tell. But when he goes back, like the letter you get about what he what he's doing is, uh, well, he opened a bar, <laughs> and you know, he, and and when uh, Joe Dariel goes back, she and him seem like they kind of take up with one another, like uh, they become very close friends because they're both these you know they've been tainted by the downside they if you stay in the downside too long you become a demon and you uh you grow horns and so they've kind of found companionship with one another in the end they became friends yeah i don't I love, think i love that sort of american graffiti style ending of this yeah. where you know every <laughs> yeah. single character gets a bit of a blurb that says like you know after the results of the game here's what happened with this person and it seems like there there must be like a ton of possible Configurations for this because each one of their stories references the others. You know, this character uh, missed this other character that didn't make it out of the downside, uh, but they you know interacted with this other character that did. That's yeah, of thing.
2: it had to be an extreme set of like if this and that. I'd love to see the the weave oh, like the web they had to weave for that because it is it'll be like like for me you know I let uh, Rookie and Pamatha go, mm-hmm. which Pamatha is a hilarious name, and I love uh, that. they um, they become really good friends, and you know, but Rookie misses. This character, the sisters Tamatha and Pamatha, yeah, who are
0: both voiced by the same person. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: or like Tizo and Ruki are, or Tizo and Nay become good friends. And um, I, I chose Nay because um, <laughs> it's because it's almost it's yeah. They me. make a joke about Bay. It says Bay, and then like couldn't be could it or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that ending. So you got a you got a bloody resolution to the yeah to the. Uh, uh, I got a, a pure peaceful ending. Like, it. Mm-hmm. I think, so I don't no. know, but I feel like I probably got what would be considered, like, the most good ending. Not not objectively best, but, like, most good as far as, like, everyone pretty much had a great time. <laughs> the, I think there's
0: a... was What was your percentage of chance of uh, success at the end?
2: I didn't see it before the whole thing happened, but I know before I let sir gilman go i was at 84 percent and i'm assuming yeah, gilman mine only
0: got up into the 70s yeah mine was was right
2: at the end okay i don't know what gilman added but i'm assuming i was into the mid to high 90s mm-hmm. but I, it could no. be like a score like if you're above 90 you got you know the the good ending i
0: i sent basically everyone on the night wings you know the, your team uh back to um uh, back to the Commonwealth, uh, but my reader chose to stay, uh, which I kind of liked. It sort of felt like the right way to do it, you know. You, you um, and anyway, uh, it, it it had I thought just like a really lovely ending. That sort of description of you know that that everyone recognized that these this you know this group was sort of the scribes come again, and that it was a you know it was a bloodless coup, and it, it was just like a really nice lovely ending to the stories for all of these characters and even the ones who stay in the downside even your opponents who you defeat and stay in the downside you get a nice sort of description of of how they lived out the rest of their lives and the downside is not hell you know it's hard to live there but it's not hell and so these uh these stories for all these characters you know who who stayed who don't leave the downside are still sort of like they're a little bittersweet, but, you know, they're they're living their lives, and um, it's nice to sort of see that they all have not exactly a happy ending, but an ending that, you know, they, their story continues.
2: Yeah, that's what ultimately why I made the decisions on what I did is uh, for who should stay. Like, it's like Big Bertrude, she's got a thriving business, so if anyone can survive <laughs> down there, it's her. And then Volfred, it felt right. Like, he's the one who planned all this, like... It almost made more sense that he should have to stay back, win or lose, and he says that he, uh, you
0: know, he uh, he doesn't want to go,
2: right? And then also Reader, I had stay back, and pretty much, and so I didn't lose any of the Liberation ones, so everyone else got to go back. Um, Mm -hmm. I I was
0: I had very few slots at the end because I'd I'd lost once and I threw once because, um, Pamitha, the harpy asks you to throw so her sister can leave. Uh, and I was like, all right, everybody gets one. At that <laughs> point I didn't know how that the slots were limited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, All right, all right, we'll send Pametha. That was uh, a tough one for me, man. Actually, I I almost did throw that match too, but you had played a little farther than me at that point and had told me over Slack that you had done that. And so I was just sort of curious to see how it would play out differently if, you know, if she didn't make it back. Uh, And now I kind of wish that I had because like, I don't know, it would have been nice to see those sisters reunited at the end of the story. Oh, they weren't reunited. Pameth stayed behind (laughs) Oh, oh wow. Yeah.
2: Um, so I have to tell you something though too cuz I I did not have that happen. Um, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is there's like a scoreboard basically and you can kind of whoever's at the top besides the night wings which is your team, they'll um they get to play in the liberation right? And you can kind of game it a little bit um by choosing if you don't want to play someone in the liberation right, you try to beat them in a normal right so they lose standing and knowing that that decision would come up Anytime I could play The Essence, which is Tamitha's team, I would play them to keep them low on the scoreboard so they never had a shot at liberation. So I I kept playing other people for it. So I never even had them like asking for their liber you know, for Pamatha to ask for Tamitha to be made free. So I didn't have to be put in that situation.
0: I'm sure there's a lot of events that I missed because of that sort of thing. Different elements that, that, you know, maybe, you know, for me, certain teams just never made it into a liberation, right? And I'm sure there's details that I would have really enjoyed uh, seeing if they had. I just really like that about it, though.
2: It's it's so varied. Did you guys free Rookie of his debts? I I don't know. So um, I sent I, him back to the Commonwealth. Because I think, I think so. this is an example of of that. Um I had Rookie on my team, and I played the Dissidents, which was another team of all dogs. But they're (laughs) bad dogs. And Rookie owed Barker, who was the main guy of that one, owed money to him. Best music in the game. Yeah. No, Manfree is the best music. Um, (laughs) But uh, uh, you can challenge – Rookie challenges him double or nothing if you win this right you'll get, like, Rookie will be freed of his debts, but if you lose it, you know, double. And so it adds this, like, I was so stressed for Rookie. I picked, like, I was trying to level up someone. I'm like, nope, for this one, I'm picking my A-team. You know, I picked only the ones I was good at. Um, And so I think you would only get that. I had to choose to play the Dissidents. You you know, in the back half of the game, you pick one of like three people to play. So if I had not picked them, that would have never happened. And Rookie gets, like, plus two hope permanently if you do it. Um, nice and there's the other one with Big Bertrude where if you play the hmm. um, the witches the 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 withdrawn I think they are the other yeah, team of prones. Yeah. if you do that one and you turn on the um, the glory star or whatever it's called um, yeah the one that
0: relates to their god that they
2: worship yeah and if you beat them the that witch takes negative five hope forever which I'm assuming happens. I, I beat them. I'm assuming if you lose, the same thing happens to Bertrude, which is brutal. Yeah, and I, I I beat that too, and then faced them again later in a liberation
0: right, and I mean that made a big difference. Like that's that's their heavy hitter, and that was a tough fight in the liberation right, mm-hmm. but we won. I think just barely because earlier in the game we'd you know. Shown them that their god was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so that happened God's, to me I at think the near th- end. This so. is probably as much story as we really want to throw out there. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of room to be surprised. Oh, so much good but, stuff. But uh, I, what I I am going to tell you what I'm going to do, and that is I am going to replay this game, and I'm going to throw a shit ton of matches. I'm going to turn well, I'm just going to turn it up as high as I can in terms of the difficulty, and just get trashed and see how see if I can get one or two people home and just see um just see what the what the really
2: bad is. I can't is. man, the game is so altered by everything. I can't imagine what happens if if you lose every single match. But they have to have it set up to they have to have that a solution that you don't yeah. replay anything. So there has to be something that happens and it's kind of I'm sure it's not great. Nobody goes home and the plan probably fails. I wonder if you even get very far into the discussion of the plan. Like I could see it going totally otherwhere. He's just like, you guys need to get good at the rights <laughs> before, <laughs> before we even talk about the plan. Worst Nightwings ever. Yeah, this was what a, a failure.
0: <laughs> He's like, here's how it's going to work. You send me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just win one, damn it,
2: please. <laughs>
0: well, I am so glad that we talked about this game and that we played it. Um, I, I, this, this is a great game. And uh, it took about 10 hours. We uh, usually try to do this before the spoiler break, and I forgot this time. But the game took about 10 hours to play for me, although I think you could take a bit longer or maybe a bit faster if you skipped some of the dialogue. I'd say you could complete the game in probably under, like, six if you really steamrolled through and uh, and skipped a bunch of dialogue. But what's Um, the point? But, yeah, don't do that. Um, It is available on the PlayStation 4 and on Windows, Mac, and Linux on Steam. It's also... I uh oh I was going to say it's on itch but no I'm thinking of Tacoma it's just on Steam and probably also I don't know the Humble Store that sort of thing but it's a uh, 19.99 and well worth it this game was I loved it.
2: Yeah we try not to talk too much about price because it's not super relevant but like when you are looking for like value I mean this game has all, it has it all and $20 is nothing.
0: Yeah, and perhaps more value if we want to think about it in that sense than most other games in this sort of uh, sort of zone because of that sort of infinitely replayable versus mode. If you get really into this game, as I did, I mean, Shane, when I come down to visit you and oh yeah, little man, tie one really uh, yeah, we're gonna one v one it
2: all over, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah i know i want to re, come re, down really though. good We're trash talk you <laughs> got to keep working on that <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: i want to come down to hang out with you guys not to hang out with you guys but just to play pyre against you to put it to well let's test.
0: let's give it a shot over share play I, i'd be willing to uh to see how this goes because controlling just one character i' probably i think it'll probably work on ps4 share play Yeah, it might. It might. I hope they add uh, online play, although it it seemed from an interview that I saw that that wasn't really on their agenda. They said, you know, maybe if the game is like a massive success and everyone clamors demanding it, I just, I really hope... I hope that, but I, I I think we're probably not going to see this get. He, he said uh, that he thought that bad online no. play was worse than no online play. Something that I kind of agree with. I think.
2: Um, so I don't know. Nintendo has been pulling off bad online play for 15 years now. So <laughs> that's true. Man, don't even get me
0: started on Splatoon 2, which is a great game, but like, man, so much trouble uh, with just any of the basic, basic online play functions that you expect from a modern console in
2: 2017. I, I'm calling... Help, friend codes. Um, I'm calling now the next big uh, eSport is the rights empire. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that'd be rad. Well, um, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Next time, we're going to be talking about Tacoma, which I'm already about halfway through. It's not a long game. I'd say, you know, three-ish hours, Uh, but I've just had uh, just started it last night and haven't had time to finish it yet, but I can already tell that it's another great game. This is from uh, Fulbright, the folks who made Gone Home. Gone Home was the topic of the very first episode of the short game. Um, maybe don't go back and listen to that episode of the short game. We were still finding our legs, but do play Gone Home if you haven't. <laughs> Disagree. Go,
2: go through our whole... Hey,
0: it was a decent episode. We got uh, a episodes. Sound quality was Yeah, and... Um, absolutely uh join us next week to talk about tacoma if you have a suggestion for a game that you think is short and great let us know uh easiest way to do that is go to our website www.theshortgame.net where you can find our contact form or you can email us at info at you can contact us on twitter we're pretty active there at underscore short game uh and you can also find me on twitter i'm at reagan k that's r-a-y-g-a-n-k uh nate where can people find you On Twitter, at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter, at 8BitShane. And uh, Laura left us at the spoiler break, but she's at Laura J. Nash. Uh, Thank you, Laura. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.